This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What is up, y'all? Eric here with just a quick note about today's show. Um, this was the first podcast we taped. We taped this one before all the ones that you've heard so far. The reason we did that was because this was sort of like a test run for us. Brandon and I thought that if there was one podcast where we could sort of do like a dry run and work through the kinks of what we want to do, what we don't want to do, what this podcast is going to be, it was this one. Uh, That's because in this show, the films that we talk about are Suicide Squad, uh, Birds of Prey, Shazam, and Aquaman. So those are all sort of like the B-team, JV, DCEU films. Uh, So we thought if we were going to screw up, it may as well be while we talk about, you know, the lower tier films. Uh, But still, I think it's a good show, a good look back, so we hope y'all enjoy. Cheers. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Hello, hello, hello. What is up and what is happening, DC fans? My name is Brandon Katz, senior entertainment reporter for The Observer. I am here with my partner in crime, Eric Italiano, senior editor at Bro Bible. You know, together, Eric, I think we almost make one complete functioning human being. What do you think? Uh, I think if they gave us our own film. We may not sell out, but it'd be a solid place to start. I think I agree with that. So we are here today to continue our discussion of the DC films and the DCEU in particular in anticipation of DC fandom later this month, which should have some juicy news for us fans. So far in our pod series, we've hit a lot of the biggies, but you should check those episodes out. But today we are discussing Suicide Squad, Shazam, Aquaman, Birds of Prey. Now the reason we're lumping these together for the most part, they don't contain one of the DC's big three. So this is really an expansion of the DC brand beyond its household names. We're going to start first and foremost with Suicide Squad. Eric, I have one simple question. What the hell happened? So I watched this again for the first time since, you know, I think the year it had come out. And I and in all these years since, I've sort of built it up as this like monster of a film i've grown such a hate for it that it's almost like a joke at at this point um but i went back to re-watch it and i was actually taken aback by how not as horrible as i thought the first two acts were not uh, where i saw that conversation going now again the bar was so low killer croc lived beneath that bar <laughs> and um but in the third act, and I'm sure we'll we'll get get to that, is where it really falls apart completely, and that's where you think, oh right, that's why I hated that. But my first thought was, there's some pieces here that you could see it, it had some bones, but it was it it, it was it was undone by uh, powers that be. Okay, then on that point, what are the bones that you did like, and then we can jump into where it all just went, you know, face up. Well, we we talked talked about this all 
off camera, we thought that the casting was strong. You know, going in into it, Jar- Jared Leto had, you know, he he was hot at that time. What is this? So they, they probably started filming in. They probably started to film in 2015, 2014. That's fresh off of his win. You know, uh, he, he doesn't act much. So it's kind of a big deal that he would take this role, especially, you know, he was kind of an art house guy, had never really starred in a film like this. I was hyped. I was worried the day that they dropped the first photo of him and I saw he had the word damaged tattooed on, on his head. So I think it was wrong in concept. I think that's where it went wrong, that they didn't uh, understand what Joker was. Now that said, Margot Robbie, great casting. She, now they, they've gone on to spin her off in her own, own film. Great casting. They're, they're trying to build more films around her. I think it hasn't worked more because of them and not because of her. Uh, Will Smith is, it's nice to see him play somebody that's not sort of, you know, straight down the line and a little more jaded and gray. Um, and then, of course, there was, it was fun. DC was sour and dark for a while. Uh, and it tried to be fun, which I could respect them trying something new. I think the rest of the world agrees with you in liking Margot Robbie. So that one is a very safe bet to start off on. Yes. Now, I agree with you, too, in terms of casting. On paper, before we even saw a single iota of film, this was cool. You know, David Ayer's done a lot of very interesting, very cool action movies. He's written a lot of cool scripts big names across the board and like you I was a fan on paper of Jared Leto but I do disagree with you in terms of liking that they kind of went to have fun because if you remember the first trailer for this came out before BVS dropped and then once BVS and in that trailer specifically it was kind of dark it was creepy it was ominous it was more psychological you could tell that this was an off-kilter, off-center comic book blockbuster, which is what I was initially attracted to. I want to assemble a task force of the most dangerous people on the planet who I think can do some good. They're bad guys. Exactly. And if anything goes wrong, we blame them. We have built-in deniability. What makes you think you can control them? Because getting people to act against their own self-interest is what I do for a living. And then you saw the, I will put this politely, divisive response to Batman v Superman in its somber tone. And you saw Warner Brothers act reactively rather than proactively. And that is how we ended up with this kind of colorful glam and glitz action comedy rather than this kind of grim, dark psychological tale it should have been. And, and what I think is important is that you need a singular vision in mind before you go back and try to re-edit existing film and reshoot, you know, existing scenes, or else it becomes this kind of muddled mess that I think we got. But just because it was it was shaped up to be dark and in tone with what we had seen so far with Man of Steel and BVS, that doesn't mean it wasn't going to be fun. You know, Killer Croc is a character. That's fair. To uh, you know, Katana, Enchantress, to some extent, they're all ridiculous characters. Um, so I think had they gone too dark, that would have also been bad. Um, and Will Smith is Will Smith. He's a charismatic leading man. You know, I don't want, I mean, yes, I, I want his, you know, Deadshot to 
way the things that he's done and be dead dead shot and the daughter it wasn't filmed correctly but you could see why they put that in there you know i don't mind that but at the same time had it been too dark and as serious as man of steel was which i don't hate but with these characters it's just too income congruent for me i think that's fair because it's so funny because i am someone who, who does say that and we'll get to this, and we got to this in our episode covering BVS, but that it maybe went too far in the too dark and kind of mischaracterized Batman and Superman. And yet here I am for Suicide Squad taking an oppositional point of view hey. because I do think that first trailer has held so much promise. But you're right, you can't have a half man, half crocodile walk onto frame and then not crack a joke about it. You just yeah. can't. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, you know, uh, David. A Ayer has since tried to push for his cut. Uh, I don't know if the fans want that as much as they wanted, you know, the Snyder cut. Would I want to see it? I'm not sure. Right now, I don't know. Because again, as I said, there was a lot wrong conceptually. You know, that tattoo was his choice. I doubt someone else and We're going to get to that. We're going to expand on that. Well, you know what? And I think that now, now we can. I think that's the perfect... All right, so, so Jared Leto's appearance as Joker. Now we're talking not as acting. His physical, literal, visual appearance was clearly tatted out over the bleached skin. He had a grill. He had, you know, the mouth tattoo as a smile. And it caused a stir upon film Twitter, which can sometimes be an echo chamber and which can sometimes actually be like, oh, oh no, we have the pulse on this. We're right. What are your thoughts? Expand on what you've already said. Well, as we saw with Heath, you know, there people were mad then, and everyone was wrong. And even if you weren't mad, there's no way that you thought he was going to be that good. So in terms of the discourse following his casting and his ta tattoos, that's fine. That is, A, you, you should expect it, and B, it's just part of being fans. That said... As a Joker guy, and you, you know, you could uh, attest to this. For those who don't know, Eric and I worked together years ago. And so for a good five years, half decade, all I've heard about is his ideas for his own Gotham script, including his very unique take on Joker. So Eric is the Joker guy that I know. So, so thank you for that, Brandon. So <laughs> that, that means a ton. So to that end, if he's going to have tattoos, they're not going to be of classical ink. They're going to be done with a knife. You know what I mean? Like, it, he was too pop. He was too... Joker would never care about gold chains and grills. You know, this is not a super... You know, one of the best quotes from, from the, the Dark Knight is, look at what I did to this town with, you know, a, a few guns and some gas. That's... That is the essence of him. The fact that he could raise so much hell with just his own chaoticness. The fact that he was driving a Lambo and had these Exactly. I mean, a Lambo regardless, let, let alone a chrome purple one. You know what I mean? The fact that he was hanging out at nightclubs, you know, so I, I just think they cat and and so that's more of his look and his style and what he does. So I, I just think they got the character as a whole wrong. That's not even counting how then Jared would go on to play him. That's a whole different layer of bad that, you know, I'm sure you could take and start it's, with. It's so interesting because I think of Jack Nicholson's Joker and I think immediately gangster. Cool. 
I think of Heath Ledger's Joker, I immediately think anarchist, cool. And based on that first picture, I think of Jared Leto Joker and I think psychopath, which in and of itself, I was like, you know what? I don't love this look, but I think that's cool. There, this one's a little bit even more unhinged than these guys, which means he'll be even more unpredictable, maybe less of a schemer than the Heath Ledger Joker and more just willing to thrive on his emotions for better and for worse. But then what we saw was essentially what you said, a, a pop gangster. He was doing things that every other kind of urban antagonist in every show and movie that we've seen in the last 10 years was doing. And he was doing it in this kind of flaunty hip hop manner that didn't really vibe with any kind of iteration of Joker that I was thinking of. And that is kind of where the mischaracterization took hold. And now having said all that, I, I didn't like it. And I think that's not a controversial statement. Most people didn't. Having said that, had we gotten the full jo version that David Ayer had been planning and had shot and had edited together, which included far more scenes with Jared's letter, Jared Leto's Joker, which included far more scenes with him and Harley Quinn, included far more about their backstory, perhaps we would look back on the performance more favorably. Perhaps it would have made more sense in context. Perhaps it just simply would have been received better. We, I'm willing to concede that that is a possibility, but for what we got and all we can judge it on right now, two thumbs down. And back, back to me saying about the bones that I liked, you know, if you remove the tattoos, the look itself isn't that bad. He looked haunting. So there's parts of it that did work for me, but you know, as we just said, that, that all got lost. It's like in the trailer, it, he was like, you know, he's like, I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna hurt you really bad. But all I could see with the tats and the grill, oh, I'm not gonna be subtle. I'm gonna be really, really obvious. Oh, I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna hurt you really, really bad. We got it, Jared. Take it yeah. down several notches. And and to me, since then, his shine, I mean, he was good in uh, Blade, Blade Runner, I thought, but outside of that, I think his shine is really worn off. Anytime I see his name attached to, to a film between the what he did in that and the way that he, uh, you know, would act on set, I've kind of sold my stock in him, you know, so, and, and it's no shock that they've yet to bring him back. He's a talented actor and a talented just artist and creator, I would say, but clearly he was in the middle of what became ultimately a studio run product project. And I guess you don't cast Jared Leto, the actor, the artist, the I'm going to mail used condoms to my co-stars for a studio run, like celluloid Hollywood product. You, yep. you cast him to be weird. And ultimately he wasn't given that chance, which you said, you know, would we, what I want to see the ire cut kind of for that. I want to see fully unhinged Jared Leto. If for nothing else, then like, it's going to be an experience. It doesn't mean it's going to be good. Would I watch it? Yes. Am I going to write about it and stand for it? No. So if it comes my way, then I will re-look at how I thought of him. But My way, and it's like Jared Leto exit one mile. You're not necessarily taking it unless you get a flat or you need gas. It depends where I'm going, if I'm in a rush. Uh, but So point being is that in a, a very flawed film, I think he was perhaps the worst part. Now let's kick it over to his counterpart in the movie, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Question, is Margot Robbie the best DEC EU casting or not? 
Uh, no. Second place. Behind Gail, Gail Godot, I think. I think that... Well, I mean, go go ahead. You sound like you you have her first. Now now, now that I put you on the spot, I wasn't ready. I, I might have her first. Ultimately, I think Margot Robbie is one of the most talented actresses in Hollywood, just from a pure acting standpoint. I think she absolutely crushes that role. People can complain about the accent all, the, all they want. I'm not going to hold her to how Brooklyn is her Brooklyn accent. I, I think she's great. And secondly, which is also important, which you have to consider when launching blockbuster franchises, she is arguably the biggest female name in Hollywood at the moment. Her star power, her ability to kind of open movies, and that's really important. And of course, we'll, we'll talk about Birds of Prey in a little bit, but they are getting someone whose entire personality and brand drives interest back into the product. And I think that, even more than Gal Gadot, who was an unknown when she was cast, is very, very important for the success of this franchise. But in hindsight, is this where she's best served? Well, see, that goes she's in... She's inherently a villain. You know, they they could try and spin zone it all, all they want. She's a murderous villain. And seeing how they've had to reshape the DCEU as a whole, she's a part of the, of the part that they're trying to get rid of. Uh, so in hindsight, who knows what she could have been? I think she's great. Um, she's the best part of this film and we'll talk about Birds of Prey at some point. She's great in that too. I think that Birds of Prey is perhaps the best of this group and that largely rides on her. Uh, but that said, is this the ideal hero that I would have wanted to see her as? I'm not sure. I... I understand where you're coming from, but I'm also not necessarily opposed to sanitizing villains for like soft reboots in order for bigger stars to play them, just like what uh, Fox did for Mystique so they could get Jennifer Lawrence in, where, okay, yes, she is a villain, but because we have a big star, we're going to kind of hero worship her a little bit. We're going to turn her into more of a good girl, which is what they did, you know, in Birds of Prey. I think you you can make an argument, but if she wasn't Harley Quinn, then which female DC character would you want to see her as? That's a great thing to ask me because I hadn't asked myself that up until this point, and I said it, and then I was like, fuck, I should have come prepared with somebody that I would have wanted to see, and I've run through it in my brain, and I'm not sure. Poison Ivy, maybe? Who who knows? Who The point is, who, I mean, who is still a bad guy, and I know I just said that... Uh, you know, I would have perhaps liked to see her play more of a good guy. But I think my main point is this was a time where they rushed into a lot. And while this may have been a good choice, who knows what it, what she could have done had they not rushed in. And if we're talking hypotheticals for a quick minute, I keep going back between Margot Robbie or, you know, kind of left field choice, Elizabeth Moss as like two more experienced Batgirls. Yeah. Yes. See, that's, I mean, perfect. You, you made my, my my own point. She, she would be killer. You know, she is a, she is a, a lead, you know, she is an A-list star. She could carry a film on her own and that Batwoman, if and when it does launch, is going to need that. And those A-list top of the line can sell a film on their own. They don't just fall, fall from trees. So... But speaking of being able to carry a film on her own, we obviously have to talk about Birds of Prey, which, just honestly speaking, did underperform a bit financially at the box office. Now, what did you think of it 
critically? And then what do you think about its future in terms of being like a commercial viable franchise for Margot Robbie slash the DCEU? Well, first, first thought, this is the last film that I saw out in the world. Okay, wow. This uh, is really gonna celebrate this one, man. Yeah, so that's so it holds so it so I I have a saying that if I've seen a film once, I, I haven't really seen it. Because you're so wrapped up in the plot that you don't really take in the, the film as a whole. But because this was the last one that I saw in, you know, a past life, it's <laughs> it sticks in my brain. And I think it was a lot of fun. As I said, I, I think it's the best of this sort of jv group that we have here of these three or four or five five films um the problem and i'm sure you could speak to this more than me is of course how they tried to sell it sell it between the name which from day one it, I, I don't even know what it was birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn which is a a, a a name it's a choice yeah so had they just called it like Right, as we've said, Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Who knows what it could have done? But for those of us who, who saw it, I think it was fun. Could they continue to make them? And can she carry a franchise on her own? As that character, no. Because as I said, she's A, inherently a villain, and B, regardless of the fact that they, they tried to spin her off, and, and I, I totally understand that, and I'm not speaking down towards the idea of, you know, a female character having her own thing but the fact is she is a joker character it's the same thing where it's like can you make venom with no spider-man I, I i don't think so and the same can be said for her when she's around i want to see the you know the balance to her otherwise She's more of, at the end of the day, a supporting player. So no, I don't, while, while it was fun, and I, I think it's probably the best of a lot of bad films, I, I don't think that it can last. You know what, I'm gonna have to respectfully disagree with you. I was initially very, very much in support of Birds of Prey being an R-rated movie. And I think, you know what, it, it turned out to be a better movie because of it. But what I underestimated was how significant the fan base for a Margot Robbie-led uh, you know, blockbuster superhero film would be limited by that uh, that R rating. And surveys after the film came out, kind of trying to figure out what happened financially, really spoke to how it wasn't that family-friendly tone that you could go for. Now, again, Harley Quinn should not be family-friendly, nor do I ever want to see her that way. But you absolutely, with good enough writing, can make a PG-13 adult funny Harley Quinn movie, and I do think you can still make her a badass anti-hero. But they need to adjust what they want, right? Because that is more of a niche type film, which I think can do well, but when it only does okay and not fantastic, then, you know, uh, it it's kind of the point. Can she be at an A-lister? You say yes. I say no. But can she be a high-end B-lister? For sure. Which I think is fine in its own right but I it, like I think margot robbie's star power her fan base her brand and her acting ability and the dc just brand titles can make her a, a kind of franchise play but i do think it'll be need some tweaks and i could see after james gunn's the suicide squad let's assume that that's a success them kind of retooling for a hash you know quote unquote birds of prey 2 that does better financially and i'll 
I'm not saying it because of who's playing her. I'm saying because of the character itself. I don't think Harley Quinn can be a A-lister. Margot Robbie, of course. That's okay. why when you say Bat- Batgirl, that would be huge. That would be huge. You know what I mean? So I, I think Harley Quinn and her R-ratedness sort of caps how big it could be. But that's why they can retool and they can just good writing can fix anything in Hollywood. That's my my opinion. When people say, oh, it doesn't work for modern audiences or this, that, I think anything could work as long as you have a good foundation on the page. You didn't think that they wrote it well? I thought. No, no, I do. I do. But I'm saying if we're retooling her as a PG-13, you know, an adult, but not too adult R-rated kind of character where they can widen the demographic of potential ticket buyers. Yeah. I yeah. think that can still work, even though, yes, you said Harley Quinn herself is a supporting player in commerce. So I think a good way to put a dot on this is if if you're on, on the couch and you see it on, you know, TNT, are you going to watch? Birds of Prey? Yeah. I'm not watching the edited TNT Birds of Prey, but if I'm scrolling HBO Max next month and I'm like, man, I'm, you know, it's Friday night, I want, I want something to do because there's a pandemic and I didn't have a social life even before a pandemic, I'm putting on Birds of Prey, yeah. Fair. Fair. All right, but then speaking of, you know, can these solo characters who maybe don't have a ton of like household recognition, can they be their own franchises? Let's move on to Shazam, which I rewatched recently. Hello? Say my name so my powers may flow through you. But I don't know your name, sir. Shazam. Are you for real? Say, okay! Shazam? 90% score. 90. Yeah, listen, the critical reception is important, especially for DC, which we will say had some, you know, polarizing early entries. Yes, you could could say that. One could say that before getting all the Twitter mad at you. Uh, but Shazam is another one. Listen, it made money, absolutely, and there's 100% going to be a sequel. But there was a kind of lingering sense that it perhaps left a little bit of money on the table and or didn't quite meet expectations. What are your thoughts? And like Harley Quinn, do you think this can be a solo, repeatable franchise? Well, I, I would like to let you start here because I think that you watched this one more intently than me because you sent that great screen cap joke so please yeah that's on everyone follow me on twitter at great underscore cats we also follow eric at eric underscore ital we we have some good you know twitter banter i would say but this this the screen cap that i got from uh uh shazam was when they're doing the montage and he's discovering his powers and his sidekick freddie is uploading videos to youtube one of the videos titles is zapped in america and it shows him kind of he's showing off his sparkle fingers as Freddie likes to call him. And I just think that's such an underrated joke that I don't think I caught the first couple times I saw it. And for them to acknowledge Marvel is just kind of a miracle in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so point, point being is you seemed, you know, in deep on, on this film where I was kind of, you know, in, in and out. So please speak on how you, you know. So yeah, I, I really enjoy Shazam. I, I probably think it's top three DCEU movies for me. I need them all. Yeah, I need them all. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is, wow. I love its message of family. I love its blend of family-friendly horror elements coming from David F. Sandberg, the director who has the background in horror. And I just really think Zachary Levi just knocks it out of the park 
as adult Shazam. More importantly, and more kind of on a longer timeline, I do think this is going to be a bigger franchise and it's going to grow. Just like you saw the early Marvel movies were kind of in that 300 million range before jumping to like 500 million plus. And I think that's largely because it's going to soon, very, very soon crossover slash introduce with Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam, which is like box office steroids for any title. And I agree, and that's a great point, because the first thought that I had when I rewatched this was, can they sustain a f- franchise with this guy as its star? I mean, this is a guy who I know vaguely from, what, Chuck? Which I never even really watched. Actually, no, I did not watch. I have never seen a single second of that show. Um, I don't know what he's done besides that. So w- when he was cast... My first thought was, oh, boy, here we go again. You know, they're really they're really screwing this one. But I was surprised at how likable he is. I mean, it's a very niche role because, you know, he's playing a kid. So it's a very different sort of hero-type role. You're, you're, you're playing someone who, you know, probably hasn't had sex yet, but yet he's flying around fighting villains, so that's a very weird balance to kind of hit. And he does a great job. And Billy Batson, the, the kid, is 14. So he is like a 14-year-old in a superhero's body. So you're right. He's 14. I, I, I thought he was old, older than that. So, yeah, he's, he's young. So he definitely probably has not had sex yet, unless he's like, you know, the man or something. But I doubt that. He in high school. Well, that's your first year? Freshman year? Freshman year. All right, maybe, but still, point, point being. I don't know what fourteen-year-olds you were hanging out with. You were clearly much cooler than I was. Jersey man, it's a wild, it's a wild state. That should be their state motto: Jersey man, it's a wild state. <laughs> Come here, get laid in high school. Point, point being is, while he was good, I'm not so sure that they could sustain a franchise, a successful franchise with just him now. But as you said, once they add the Rock, that changes everything. Um, the Rock has yet to play a true and true cape-wearing hero. So so that's going to be a big deal in and of itself. But what I fear for Shazam the character is he'll be, you know, the, the Rock will be the selling point, and then he'll be a part of it. So will it be a Shazam franchise, or will it be a you know, the rock franchise. You know, I think that's a valid concern, but I think it's one that WB has kind of already addressed and figured out. Now, initially, Black Adam was supposed to be introduced in Shazam, but as development went on, both Dwayne Johnson, Johnson's camp and WB both agreed that, no, 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 we need to introduce Shazam first. We need to establish him as his, as his own hero with his own kind of likes and dislikes and like, oh, audiences enjoyed this and that before we move on to the biggest celebrity slash movie star in the world. And again, Shazam may not have been a, you know, billion dollar blockbuster, but it did turn a profit, you know, it did make a pretty penny. So I think his, his level one has already been established and succeeded. Now, they want to see growth, that's for sure. And you don't want to get lost in kind of the rocks rockness, which we can all can be. But I do think they're over that initial hurdle of like, we're afraid he's going to be overshadowed. I, I think we're already past that because simply he wasn't in the movie. I did not know that. That's, that's so, all right, so that's valid then. I don't mind that. I like that. So the I mean, point being is they need this film to happen. They've been talking about it for years. It was supposed to start filming, in fact, next month. It doesn't look like that's going to go down now as far as I know. 
2021. Uh, but they did just add that kid, the uh, the Netflix kid who's in all oh, the. Oh, Centineo will be playing Adam Smasher. Yeah. Oh right, no, yeah, I don't, I don't know that. I'm I'm not that deep deep in the uh, Netflix. So you're not watching every Netflix category. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Um, but so I mean, that's it. He's a name. It trends more towards the fact that Shazam is aimed at, I would say, a younger group. Uh, so that makes sense. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. For sure. Just, you know, shameless plug over here. Myself and Observer did exclusively break the story that the Jungle Cruise director would be helming Black Adam as well. Just, you know, so if you guys are looking for good scoops, go to Observer.com. If you're looking for great commentary from Eric, go to BroBible.com. On that note, now we're talking about kind of big stars, big fantastical sets and whatnot. I think it's the perfect point to get into Aquaman. I've been looking for you. Your half-brother King Orm is about to declare war upon the surface world. The only way to stop this war is for you to take your rightful place as king. Trust me, I am no king. You do your best thinking when you're not thinking at all. That was the worst pep talk ever. Is the DC's highest grossing film ever even more than all the dark knight trilogy ever hit and yet to me is enjoyable and creative and yet so nonsensical and ridiculous that it's almost to the point where i can't enjoy it i watched this and i thought how how did they trick people into thinking that this is a good movie God, the first agreement of the pod of the pod episodes. I'm very happy about. This. God bless them because this movie and it's like, whereas uh, I think Shazam thrives on the fact that it knows what it is. It's a B movie. It's you know there he's not the A list guy. It's Shazam is big with superheroes that plays on the naivety, innocence, and in and I mean this positively, stupidity of children to be uh, attractive, and I think. Uh, now this compa- comparatively, it it it's like a B movie blockbuster mashup. Some parts of it look so cheap, right? Do, so you- I think Atlantis is phenomenal looking, and I think Atlantean knights riding like laser-headed sharks is really cool. But I think the plot, the script, the acting, like the story, everything around that is. And I mean this not in a disparaging way, but just lower tier. Yeah. So, uh, but with that said, it's it's an improvement overall. You know, it, it's not the lowest of lows because it's bright. It's fun. It, it at least is you could just turn off your brain and watch stuff explode and look at the colors and the pretty people. And that's fine and great. But would I go see... Aquaman 2? Absolutely not. Okay, so piggybacking off that, my big question is Aquaman looks cool and at times can be a lot of fun but without the kind of structural plotting and and storytelling is that formula sustainable over what I presume they want to be a trilogy? No, because as as I've said about most of these films that we've talked about, these these are B parts. These guys are not inherently made to lead their own you have to you have to like this is a character to even make the film look good that requires a lot a lot of cash i'm looking right now this movie cost them i mean it made over a billion dollars that's incredible 
but it cost them $200 million to make. That's not cheap, especially for somebody who is, so you'd say Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn, probably their fifth star. And like if we're expanding it to like the greater comic book lore, you know, below Green Lantern, below guys like that, Prop Flash, you know. Yes, even more so. So when you include those guys, which I guarantee you fans would rather see a Flash one than a, you know, more of this. I don't want to be too, I, I, I don't want to be too mean to it because it, the fact is that we've seen worse and James Wan is a, is a talented guy and there are a few shots that are stunning. But as you've said, in terms of like an actual movie, if you look past all of its shiny parts, it's, bones as we've talked are a disaster and look everybody listening at home like what you want you know we're dumb we're smart we'll say whatever you want that's fine we're not telling you what to like but we are trying to look at this from the perspective of how sustainable is this how can the dceu continue to move forward and progress and build and simply exist as this mega franchise that it wants to be so from that perspective we, we have to look at this critically and i i don't mean to beat a dead horse but I just don't see where it goes from here. So now he's king. He's got Orm in prison. Like, what is what is the big That challenge? said, its cast is incredible. Willem Dafoe. Really? I, I think Willem Dafoe is Willem Dafoe. Kidman. Uh, I love Kidman. Uh, is great. Black Manta. He's a star. That guy is a star. Uh, Patrick... Uh, Wilson, who is just one of those guys that's always like, oh, that guy. I love that guy. And uh, so, Orm's costume looks phenomenal. Yeah. So that was really so, cool, that last scene. So it's a shame that all that talent was sort of lost in what we would both agree is a mess that I, I, I don't think that they're going to go back to. There's those reports of them doing a film based on The Trench. We'll see if that spinoff ever gets made. With, so, I mean, what what are we doing? What are we doing here? You know what I mean? Though, though, when I read stuff like that, I honestly, that's when you worry about, because over the last few years, people have said they've seemed to write the ship. It seems like they know what works now. But when you hear reports that they're, you know, developing a spinoff based on these, like, mon monstrous fish, you wonder what they're doing. Um, Gotta find that IP, man. Gotta squeeze every dollar. Yeah, so can they continue this as a standalone going forward? I'd, I'd say no. If this was on TNT, would I watch it? No. Oh, is the cast exciting enough that they were to pop up in other films? Would I be like, oh, sweet, nice. Yes, and I think that that's how those characters are best served. I think that's fair. I think Aquaman could potentially be better served long-term as a supporting player in other people's movies. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge it's DC's highest grossing movie ever. So what the hell do we which, know? Which is brutal. But we also need to, to that same point, acknowledge that Amber Heard is potentially on the verge of being, you know, canceled. So they're, you know, they're going to need to... Brothers isn't getting rid of J.K. Rowling. They're not getting rid of Ezra Miller. Who knows what they're thinking? Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Point point being is, if they do need to get rid of her, would they recast the role? You know, it's a whole it's a whole big thing. And I'm glad to say that I don't think we'll have to deal with that for some time. Now, before we log off, I want to get into some weekly awards that we give out here on uh, the pod, the post credit pod. 
First thing, starting with Suicide Squad, since we talked about that first, the nicest thing you can say about it, and then hand out the Jared Leto Award for the worst performance in the movie. Okay, so the nicest thing that I could say about this, and, and I wrote this down word for, for word, the scene where Deadshot first gets his guns, and they're like explaining to him that, hey, we're gonna like set you free, and he, he's like, there's no way that this has a live round in it. Uh, that scene is pretty good. Say, so, uh, the firing pin is filed down, right? Mag full of dummy rounds. If I pull the trigger, nothing happens. You're absolutely right. Why would we give a loaded weapon to an infamous hitman? Go ahead, pull the trigger. Empty it. Don't empty nothing. You don't even know this lady. I've known you like nine months. Remember when I brought you that cookie? That was a real cookie. <laughs> what? Oops. Y'all jokers must be crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. It's Will Smith being Will Smith. It's like, it, 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 it's a high stakes scene because th there is easily a way that they could have had him, you know, cap a dude right there. And then, <laughs> so that scene, I was like, oh, wow, that's a fun scene. And that is the nicest thing that I could say about this entire movie. All right, I think that's a fair. You picked out one of the highlights among an hour plus long low life. Yeah, and then in terms of the Jared Award for worst acting, that goes to our boy Jared Leto because whether it's mainly his fault or not, and you did touch on this, and I think that's a fair shout that we can't judge him until we've seen the full cut. It's been four years now, and I still harbor a legitimate hate for him and what he did. I mean, there is like an internal chemical reaction every time I see the meme or a clip or anything. I'm just like, oh, not this again. It's exhausting. So we're unanimous on that. Uh, nicest thing I can say about Suicide Squad, dope soundtrack. Front to back, dope soundtrack. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the You can't underestimate the impact music can have on a movie, but everything else, not so much. All right, same question for those group of three movies, Birds of Prey, Aquaman, Shazam. You don't need to do one for each, but if you had to do kind of one for that whole group, nicest thing you can say, Jared Leto Award. The nicest thing I could say about Shazam uh, is that they brought something new to a genre that at times could feel very the same you know the mcu for as well as it's done its biggest slight is that it's kind of a plug and play yeah. it's all part of the plan um see what you did there yes nice. thank you so with this being such a kid and family focused film and that humor of being a child hero i thought was great all right so who's your who gets your jared leto award for those three uh I don't know. I I, I want to kind of flip that and say Mark Strong was pretty good in that as well, actually. Yeah, now that, uh, Mark Strong is the type of character actor who's always at least solid. Like, I don't think I've ever been like, yeah. I don't like Mark Strong performance at all. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Jared Award goes to Amber Heard because she's not good. I don't under, and not, you know, her thing with John, Johnny Depp, 
I don't, I've never seen something and been like, oh, she was great in that. You know what I mean? She is the most forgettable actress, perhaps, that has been in this sort of A-list film. I'm going to stick with Aquaman for my Jared Leto Award and give it to the guy who plays teenage Arthur Curry when he finds out that they executed Nicole Kidman, his mom. He's like, because of me? Wow. Yeah! <laughs> to that guy. Even though film Twitter has already dunked on him for, for years at this point, I apologize if you're out there watching this, but, you know, it wasn't that good. That's a great shout. See, that's a man who you watch this film with intent that I just don't have. So. And then the nicest thing I can say about all those three, I think Birds of Prey, in terms of the action and mild per minute jokes, was so impressively frenetic and so we're moving forward, we're moving forward, we're moving forward at all times. Yeah, it's pace. Uh, yes, sometimes it occasionally maybe to its detriment, but but that's a hard level of energy to keep up. And although I think they should have moved the team up earlier, and I think there, there are some tweaks that could have made that movie even better, that was an impressive kind of filmmaking feat and a, an impressive infusion of energy and life that I enjoyed personally. And that's, yeah. that's my, you know, that's my two cents on that kind of whole group. Perfect. All right. Well, guys, you have been listening to the Post Credit Pod. Be sure to keep tuning in because we got way more coming up, especially the Snyder Cut. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for that one, big. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. <laughs>